Hi, this is the Mentoring Lab Podcast, where we create a work BFF mentoring movement, one episode at a time. Here are your hosts, Sarah and Kelly. Hello, and welcome to the Mentoring Lab Podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Kelly. And how are you today, Kelly? Hi, Sarah. I am fabulous today. <laughs> and how are you? I'm okay. I guess I'm doing pretty good. Um, feeling kind of old today. I For the last three nights, I am sleeping on my pillow wrong. I don't know. Not, not one night, not two nights, but three nights in a row. And I'm waking up and I can't touch my chin to my chest. And I oh, think... Cause you're- in your neck. Yes. And it's like getting old socks, right? <laughs> just, so, and you're um, in what, 30, right? Your 30s. Oh, I wish. <laughs> I'm, I'm 40. I'm 40 oh, and flirty right. and fabulous. That's right. <laughs> but, flirty, um, flirty and fabulous. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I just made that up. But now, so I mean, I'm doing pretty good. I woke up with that and then just some sinus issues. And I'm like, gosh, getting older and just being more susceptible to um, life, I guess, kind of stinks. But other than that, I'm doing pretty darn good. So, well, awesome. All right, you ready to get into our weekly shot? This our win and our loss for the week. And for those of you who may be listening for the first time or maybe just listened to the last couple of episodes, the Wednesday whiskey shot is something that Kelly and I initiated right from the beginning, day one, right? Yeah, indeed. Just a, a weekly uh, celebration to our win from the past week, a loss, you know, because it's just as important to celebrate our losses and learn from them and move forward. So without further ado, I will take after your lead, Kelly. Alrighty. So my win for the week is I recently discovered audiobooks from the library. And um, because I used to go and check out like, you know, books like they were, you know, going on a clearance sale or something. So um, I checked out an audiobook. It's a Michael Porter, um, Understanding Michael Porter's Great Power of Competition. It's a business book. And um, I listen. The neat thing about the library checkouts is you have a limited amount of time to read the book or they take it back. You know what I mean? It's not like I can extend it and extend. I think in some cases you can, but um, my experiences so far is when your time's up, <laughs> they take it. So anyway, so I finished. Um, my win is I finished the audio book. I learned a lot from it. And um, in fact, I went and checked it out again because I wanted to listen to a couple chapters again um, out of the book. So my win is feeling really good that in the crunch time with the book, I was able to listen to the whole thing and have them not snatch it back before I was ready. So that was good. And then my loss was I was in a meeting earlier this week and the loss is actually feeling bad because I couldn't formulate my words fast enough. I had something to say and I knew what I wanted to say. um, But when it came time to speak, I felt like I stumbled on my words a little bit and I didn't quite get my message articulated as clearly as I would have liked to if I had more time to think about it. So I'm going to say that's my loss is learning from trying to get that message communicated a little bit better on the spot, if you will. Okay. So my one for the week is I received a really nice email from a supervisor. I received it as well as a couple of my team members. There was some different informal briefs we had to give this week to senior leadership on some initiatives that our group has been working on, as well as there was a big initiative 
that uh, was an engagement, like a special emphasis initiative that was put on this past week by one of my colleagues. And our supervisor just really took time to write an email to all of us and just really give us kudos on our participation and, and how we presented ourselves and how we're representing our office as well as our organization. So that was really nice. And then my loss for the week is, this is kind of funny. I think it's funny. Not sure if it's really a loss, right? But I'm just going to throw it in there. So uh, usually I don't share too much or say anything on this. But And this is not really a big deal, but kind of a big deal is I lost uh, a pound and a half this past week. So that's a loss, right? <laughs> but I don't know if it's really a loss because it's not something I'm ever, ever going to miss and I want back. But I'm just like, yep, goodbye. I will never see you again. See you later. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is a loss worth celebrating. And I remember from a weight loss program I did many, many, many years ago. And whether you realize it or not, a pound and a half is six sticks of butter. Oh, wow. Yeah. So imagine, you know, six sticks of butter being on your body and mm-hmm. now it's off. So <clears throat> that's, that is something to, it's a loss and it's worth celebrating. So congratulations on your pound and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I liked it because it kind of put me over the hump of this 10 pound thing to where you go from a certain digits. I'm not even going to share that to like the lower digits. So I'm like, goodbye to that pound and a half, but also goodbye to that, those weight digits before then, if that makes sense. Cause I hope I never, ever freaking see you again. So, (laughs) (laughs) All right. So here we go to our weekly shot. This is my last week of doing just a shot of my green juice. So I will be joining you next week with whiskey. Yay! <laughs> All right. And mine is um, some whiskey that you sent me, the screwball. Oh, the peanut butter. Oh, that's oh, yes. delicious. Yes. So okay. I, um, are you ready? Yes. Here's to our wins. Here's to our losses. Here's to one day being our own bosses. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> mm. Oh, that was yummy. <laughs> that was really yummy. Yes, uh, that is a delicious whiskey, if I do say so myself. <laughs> yes, thank you for sharing it. It's better if it's chilled. We actually keep our bottle in the freezer. Mm. Gotcha. Yep. I'll do that next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today we have another special, interesting, fun topic uh, we're going to be talking about going from colleague to supervisor, or how do you like to say it, uh, Kelly? Quarterback to coach. There you go. So we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, our own personal experiences from doing this, a little bit of our joys, a little bit of our fears from it, and then the dynamics and just trying to find balance, especially when you go from being a colleague to a formal leader in a group that you used to work side by side with. So that can be often difficult and challenging. So we're going to discuss that today. So kicking off with the joys or what we looked forward to initially when we were becoming a supervisor. Uh, Do you want to start? Sure. Um, I can vividly remember, Sarah, that I had all these visions. It's like when I first learned that I was going to be a supervisor, because it wasn't something that I had um, chased after. It wasn't on my things to do list. It just the opportunity presented itself. And it was the next logical step in my career. So I remember um, just thinking about 
all the things that I could change, all the impact that I could have, all the differences that I could make. And I was so excited. And um, I want to say there was like a couple week window because when you get a new job, there's always like two weeks before you start your new job. And I just remember butcher block paper on the wall and I'm drawing stuff and I'm writing stuff and just planning out all these things that um, I wanted to be able to do because I am in the business professional community and I love my business professional community and all the things that I thought I could do to help contribute to make this community better and help them to grow and to see the possibilities and empower them and encourage them and motivate them. So that that was what was so exciting to me going from colleague to supervisor. I can totally identify with that because that was one of the things that had happened to me as well is I did feel excited about that. I still do feel excited about it, right, is to be able to initiate change on a completely different level. So to initiate the change and not how only how we're doing business in my immediate office or my immediate division, but also organization wide and maybe even more far reaching out than that. So that was exciting to me as well. And then the other thing that comes to mind is I also start to think about it was an opportunity for me to be a supervisor. I, by the way, I just want to throw this caveat out. I hate, hate, hate the strong words. Maybe I shouldn't say hate. I dislike the word boss. I just feel like it's kind of old school and it has a lot of negative um, connotations with it. So uh, just wanted to throw that out there. Not, not really sure why I felt it was important, but I guess because sometimes people, well, a lot of times we often say supervisor or a boss. So the second thing for me was the opportunity to supervise the way that I always wanted to be supervised. And I think it's easier said than done, right? So what I did was, and what I have took with me probably the last 10 plus years in my career journey, is just taking the best qualities or the nuggets from either colleagues or other supervisors, past and current, taking those qualities and kind of rolling them up and trying to embody that in how I wanted to formally lead a team of people. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And on that same note, I'm with you because I don't like to be called, I call it the B word. I don't like to be called the B word either. You <laughs> the boss word. No. <laughs> boss no, bitch. I don't. No, no. I look at it as a talent manager and um, my team has adopted that and they'll say, my talent manager says, oh, yeah. because I think that's part of my role is develop them and to grow them. And part of that what comes along with that is building the trust that sometimes you push them out of their comfort zone and they really don't like it. They get that feeling in their stomach where they're like, oh, I don't know if I like this. And I just say, trust me as your talent manager. I'm not going to set you up for failure. I'm only going to set you up for success. And if I see something in you that I think that we can develop, then trust me. And I've been very fortunate thus far that every time I thought I've seen something there, and I've been able to nurture it and grow it. It has blossomed into something better. So I'm, I'm with you on the, um, I don't like the B word. I prefer to be called talent manager. And um, yeah. Interesting. So on that note, talking about being a talent manager and pushing people out of their comfort zone and, and having that trust. So then the opposite of, oh, we're so excited. These are some things that we're going to be able to do as a formal leader now, formal supervisor. Then there's the fear side, right? So 
what I was thinking of when you were talking about when you were having this conversation with your team members is trust me, I'm, you know, I, I see the talent in you, you can do this or that or the other. I also, I've had to have similar conversations and sometimes they've been difficult conversations because mm-hmm. that's been challenging, especially when you were a colleague, a part of the team, you were just another team member that, you know, you worked with these folks day in and day out. Um, possibly even considered some of them friends, right? They Some yeah. of them are more than just colleagues or friends. So now you're in this formal leadership role, this supervisory role. And I know something I've struggled with and the fear is I thought initially and I continue to struggle with because I just struggle with difficult conversations in general in life. I, I don't like conflict, believe it or not. I know you and I have had a lot of offline discussions where it might, that might shock you because they seem very opinionated or are very like, no, this is what I would say. But when it, when push comes to shove, I, I try to stay away from conflict as much as possible. I, you know, I don't go, I'm not someone that welcomes it and goes head on. So something that I have struggled with, I think I'm getting better is having those difficult conversations, especially with colleagues that when we used to be just team members. Right. Um, And what you just led me to was, in my case, when going from colleague to supervisor, one of my colleagues, we've known each other since the ninth grade. So wow. that's like 40 years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? About that, maybe. Anyway, so and then we worked together as colleagues on the same team in the same office. And now I'm her supervisor. Mm-hmm. So I can totally relate to that. So, you know, as going from colleague to supervisor, you have that initial joy phase where you're like, oh, I can do all these great things. And and you have the energy and the excitement and the motivation. But then at the same time, you have the fears, right? The fears of um, being perceived as giving favoritism to, you know, the person that now works for me that I went to high school with. And we used to have tea together every day. So we were really close, but we were close enough that we were able to establish the relationship in a healthy way. But also, you know, you're now in a role where you have this team of people that you have to lead. You're in kind of like in the sandwich, right? Because you're the leader of people, but you're also now part of a, a different leadership team that have been doing this for many years before you that you want to live up to their expectations. So it's almost like a dual pressure, you know, pressure to lead and pressure to fit in with the other leaders. But, you know, you don't want to um, you don't want to fail. So you have a little bit of fear of, you know, I have all these great ideas, you know, I think I'm ready to do this, but you know, what if I fail? What if I'm perceived as failing? What if some of the things I'm trying to implement don't work? So it's the, you know, there's two sides to everything. And that's where we're with the joys and the fears. But one of the things I'll tell you, Sarah, that helped me tremendously when I became a supervisor was I brought in a expert to facilitate the What Motivates Me workshop. Mm -hmm. That was the most valuable thing I've invested in because what it did was everyone took this assessment. Um, I guess it's an assessment, the tool um, that helps you clearly identify what their motivators are. And as a new supervisor, that was so valuable because I learned so much about every single person on my team and they learned about me. And the facilitator kind of put me on the spot and was like, okay, Kelly, so knowing that this person is motivated by money, how are you 
going to motivate them? You know, know, knowing that this person is motivated by family, how are you going to motivate them? Knowing that this person is motivated by learning, you know, so she really, what she did was help me show my team. I want care and I'm interested in learning about you and understanding you. And she helped me demonstrate to them that I learned something about them from the class. So I now know how to help you to succeed. So it built trust as well. And um, to me, I, I always think back to that because I was new and I, like I said, I had this team of people and some of them, we were friends. So understanding this unique little part of them has just paid for itself time and time and time and time again. So that was very, very helpful to me. And something else I wanted to reference in your initial discussion that I forgot was where you said it gives you the opportunity to be the supervisor that you want to be, learning from all the great supervisors before, but also learning from the icky ones. You know, learning what not to do as a supervisor was equally important when shaping my leadership philosophy and how I wanted to be as a supervisor, being able to hone in on the things that I thought were great and useful and helpful, but also learning from the ones that weren't so great to not do those things because they were not as, in my opinion, not as effective. Right. So moving on to that. So basically with the motivators and having that facilitator, that was a lot of like probably what I'm hearing is the dynamics and finding balance and working with the team. So some additional things for me in terms of dynamics and finding balance is one of the most important things I had to learn was delegation. And it was learning to let go, right? Because I don't know if most people are aware or not, but when you do get a formal, uh, even if you're a team lead, you go from team lead to supervisor or you just go from straight to colleague to supervisor is usually those jobs aren't 100%. You're not 100%, although some days it does feel like it's 100%. You still have your day-to-day, your operational work, your strategic work. As you get higher up as supervisor, it's more strategic than operational work to do. So for me, Finding balance was learning to let go and learning that I don't have to do it all myself and then trusting that my team members, my colleagues are going to do it. And and then that would come in a lot with me, sitting with them, mentoring them, training them, coaching them. So that was a big thing for me. Another thing with dynamics for me was learning that I can't be a crowd pleaser. I can't, I shouldn't be every, try to be everyone's friends. It's, it's not really realistic, not saying you shouldn't be, you most definitely should be friendly. You should be a good listener. You should show compassion, empathy. But the reality is at the end of the day, you are the supervisor. You're not their friend. It's kind of like, it just reminds me where I just hear of sayings, I'm your mother. I'm not your friend. Right. Right. It's setting (laughs) those boundaries. And that can be very difficult. uh, I think because in our last episode, we talked about being liked and I do. I want my team to like me. I want us to get along. I want them to feel like they can trust me and come to me. But I've had it burn myself in the past when I was a brand new team leader. I think I leaned more towards the crowd pleaser side. But I always had a philosophy, work hard, play hard, right? We, you mm-hmm. know, I've been very fortunate to have very strong team members, people who are really good at their job or or are willing to learn it and be really good and contribute a lot. But we also, when we're in the office, we like to laugh. We like to joke. We like to have lunches together, sit with each other at lunch, talk, and just really get to know each other. And I did this even as a team leader. But sometimes that can be misconstrued. And your authority 
figure or you're the really the authority figure or your authoritative, I think kind of can get pushed to the side sometimes. And I don't think people intentionally do it, but I've had employees where they ended up treating me more like a friend than a team lead or a supervisor. And it's actually kind of backfired for them and for me. So, so yes, Sarah, with the finding balance aspect of a supervisor, something I just listened to on a podcast this morning, it's SOS skills of a supervisor, very useful tips that, which I think we also both learned in our CES training um, when we took that, but basically as a leader, some key things, three key things I'll share is with setting the balance is, set the expectations, right? Let people know what you expect, whether you expect a, like a two-day turnaround or five-day turnaround, or what are the expectations um, for the team? And communicate it to them and communicate it as clearly as possible. And then get feedback, get the feedback on you know how they're working, how the project's going or what have you. So those are the three things with finding the balance. One is, like I said, setting the expectation, communicating and getting the feedback. I like that. So to add on to that, I also encourage others when you're in a leadership role to encourage and also support an environment for open and candid conversations and disagreements, right? But there's also a fine line because sometimes uh, emotions, feelings can get involved. So you want to encourage that environment, that dialogue, but there also has to be a line to where you're still maintaining that authority, that supervisory authority, especially if you're leading a team, if you're now the formal leader of a team that you were part of. And then the last thing I want to add on for the dynamics and finding balance is it took me a while to learn this, but fair and equal are not the same thing. That, And what I mean by this is everyone should be treated fairly within your team, but not necessarily equal. And this is mm-hmm. what I mean by that. So, for example, team members, we're all individuals. We're all complicated human beings. And we have different management styles and preferences. So people thrive better. Like Kelly was saying earlier about learning the motivators of her team. What motivates them? What? How do they work best? So it's the same thing about treating people fairly. So learning their preferences for management styles, for learning styles, for recognition, what Kelly said earlier. You know, some people prefer to be recognized in email, a kudos email like I got earlier in the week is good enough. Other people like more formal recognition. Some people like card, whole, card, eh, cold, hard cash. <laughs> right. <laughs> I say like credit cards. Yeah, give me a credit, give me your credit card. Um, where others like some sort of. Tr- certificate awards. So, so same things like, so things like that, excuse me, geez, it's just remember fair and equal are not the same thing. Everyone should be treated fairly, but not necessarily equal. And then the last thing actually just came to mind is in terms of performance and work assignments as well, depending on the strengths of your team members, not everyone can get the same amount of work or the breadth of work or the level of work or the assignments because maybe they don't have the knowledge and skills. So that's another thing where, you know, it may be perceived like some people are being treated better or or not equal because of work assignments too. But again, that's going back to just making sure you treat everyone fairly, but not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily equal or doesn't necessarily mean equal, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. No, absolutely. It does. Because like you said, every... Everyone brings their own uniqueness to the team and you have to focus on the strengths that some have and the strengths that others have and blend it all together to, you know, get the job done. 
Okay. So should we go ahead and wrap up with our mentoring advice for becoming a supervisor, maybe for those newly minted supervisors or team leaders or those considering? Yeah, let's do it. Like we started out this episode talking about the fears and the joys. They're normal, right? You're going to be excited and you're going to have your fears, but you know, have the confidence in yourself. You wouldn't have been selected for the position if you weren't qualified and the people making the selection didn't think that you could do it. So ride those joys, minimize those fears and have the confidence and just, you know, just go do what instinctually comes to you to do. And more than likely, you know, you're going to be just fine. What else? Um, Focus more on your team than yourself, because without that communication amongst the team, the cohesion of the team, um, the collaboration of the team, you can't succeed if you are the only person running the show. So you have to have everyone on the team working together collaboratively to accomplish everything that you need to do as a team. I would say my last one, I'm just going to be blunt about it is you don't have to be an asshole to be a supervisor. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's not part of my normal language, but I'm just putting it right out there that you don't. And um, I I just know that in some organizations, there are some old style type of, you know, I'm going to say icky leaders that come in arrogant and just think that I'm the boss. I got the power. You got to listen to me, slam the hammer, do what I say. They're like a dictator. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to be that way. You know, you can be a much more progressive style leader and just focus on the people, learn from supervisors that you've had before you, encompass those characteristics and um be the be the leader that you would want to be led by. I like it. All right. So my mentoring advice would be there's a gazillion things I'd love to share, but So my top three things I think would be number one would be to treat others how they want to be treated, which I, I kind of touched on that a few, a few minutes ago. So it's really important to learn their personalities, to learn their learning styles, to learn how they like to be rewarded. The second thing is to leverage your team's strengths. And that kind of goes hand in hand, Kelly, with what you were saying earlier about motivators. So learn what your team does really well, what they learn, what they do okay, and then learn what they're really not good at. And do they really even need to keep doing that part of their job? Or could you leverage someone else in the team to do that? But also, like I remind my team is, as much as I love to leverage our strengths or our motivators, none of us have a perfect job. We can't do everything we enjoy 24-7 at work. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, we have this little whiteboard in the office that says everyone has to take out the garbage. And I don't mean any negative connotations with that or like people are doing trash work or anything, but literally it's meaning we all have to do things we don't necessarily want to do, but it keeps the ship going, the wheels turning. And also I'm willing to take out the garbage too. We all have to do those operational things and those things that may not motivate us or be in our wheelhouse, so to speak, our strengths, but we still have to do it. And then lastly is not only learn your team's strengths and motivators, but share yours. Share what your strengths and your motivators are and your leadership philosophy. And I probably need to revisit the latter with some new team members I, I've uh, that have came on board recently with us, but I did in the past. And the top big three things for me in terms of leadership is trust across the board, accountability. Uh, a big thing for me is admitting when you effed up. 
like I've worked with people for years and I've seen them F up time after time and I've never heard, you know what? Yeah, I did. I screwed that up or I apologize or, you know, I think it, it, it takes a lot for us to be able to admit that. So it's trust, accountability, and lastly is inspire. Inspire other people to want to do better to do better for themselves, to do better for the organization. And you can do that a lot by leading by example. I agree, Sarah. What's that saying? Bad news doesn't get better with time. Yes. Right. So as soon as soon as you think something's going off the rails, as soon as you realize you messed up. And just like I've told my children, I'm like, look, if you come and tell the truth, you will not be, I'm not like I would punish any of my employees, but if you, <laughs> if you come and tell the truth, you know, that goes a long way because it takes a lot of courage to come and tell the truth. So just come tell the truth and, you know, we'll get through it. I'm, as a, And even with my team, just bad news doesn't get better with time. Bring it to me. We will figure it out because sometimes when you think you messed up, it's not unsalvageable. There's still an opportunity. Maybe we can shift the sales and maybe we can straighten things out and and come out okay. You know what I mean? So don't don't wait for it to totally you know be a splat on the pavement and totally ruined. Bring it to me when we can still probably you know maybe I can help you. Maybe I can say, oh that's easy. Just shift to the left, shift to the right, whatever, and get back on track and still salvage the project. Totally. I think what it boils down to, what a lot of boils down to is just trust. Exactly. So exactly. And trust, having, having trust yeah. in your supervisor that they're going to hear you and they're going to help you and not punish you. Right. Exactly. Like, how can we did I take the, Did I take the words out of your mouth? I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, guys. So that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to us. As always, we appreciate you for being a part of our Work BFF Mentoring Tribe. And our movement grows through your support of our show, but also by all of us supporting other women at work through our mentorship and friendship. Follow us on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, the Mentoring Lab Podcast. And from your Work BFF mentors, be safe, be positive, and tune in next week.